Hey, it's Craig. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Canadian History X early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Greetings and welcome to another episode of Canadian History X. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can for as little as $3 a month. Just go to patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. You can also donate to the podcast by going to CanadaEHX.com and clicking donate. Don't forget, I have two other podcasts out there, Pucks and Cups and From John to Justin, available on all podcast platforms. Without a doubt, he is one of the most famous Indigenous leaders in Canadian history, and a man who helped repel the American invasion into Canada during the War of 1812. His name was Tecumseh, and his impact on Canadian history and North American history would be massive. Today I am looking at this legendary Indigenous leader. Of course, whenever I do episodes on the Indigenous, I apologize if I mispronounce any names. As well, I do my best to separate fact from fiction, and I hope I did that with Tecumseh. Born to Shawnee parents around 1768 in central Ohio, and given a name that means shooting star or I cross the way, Tecumseh would enter the world during a time of transition for his people. His parents spoke Algonquin, and during the late 17th century were pushed out of the area of Ohio by the Iroquois. In 1759, they had moved north to reunite with their tribe on the Ohio River, and the father of Tecumseh, Pukashinwa, was a chief with the Shawnee. During his childhood, Tecumseh would see his people hit by war several times. From the age of 6 to the age of 14, he would see invading armies occupy Shawnee territory, beginning with the Iroquois and continuing with the growing American influence. The tribe was at the time only 1,000 people, far too small to deal with the growing number of settlers onto their land. The American military was also becoming more aggressive, leading to the death of Tecumseh's father on October 10, 1774, during a confrontation at Point Pleasant. At this point, his mother went to Missouri with other indigenous, and Tecumseh and his siblings were left in the care of Tecuma Peace, his older sister. She would teach him of their culture, while his brother, Chisakau, would teach him to be a warrior. Later in his youth, he was adopted by the Shawnee chief Blackfish, and it was with Blackfish that he would witness British and indigenous attacks on the Americans during the American Revolution. Three years later, the Shawnee would split, and Tecumseh would move to the Great Miami River, a tributary of the Ohio River in southwest Ohio. By this point, Tecumseh was now 19, and had seen his father killed by Americans, their villages destroyed by settlers, and their land seized. It fostered in him a deep hatred of Americans, which would lead him down the road to becoming an ally of Britain and Canada. With the end of the American Revolutionary War, and the Treaty of Paris in 1783, the United States began to move towards taking the land north of the Ohio River. In 1785, the Shawnee were summoned to Fort Finney and pushed to sign a treaty to surrender their land. Those who signed were met with angry resistance by the Shawnee Nation, and Tecumseh would soon see his first action as a warrior, distinguishing himself in 1788 with an attack on a flat boat on the Ohio River. For the next several years, Tecumseh would lead various skirmishes against the Americans, while sadly losing his brother Chisakau, who was killed in an attack. In one attack, 
Tecumseh led a scouting party that aided in the defeat of General Arthur St. Clair at the Battle of Wabash. Despite his hatred of Americans, he did push against the cruelty he saw. On one occasion during a raid, he saw an American tied to a stake and burned. He let loose a tirade of anger at his fellow indigenous to the point that they never tortured a prisoner in his presence again. In 1791, he took part as a minor war chief in the Northwest Indian War. It was there he saw an indigenous confederacy come together to fight the war, and it would inspire him to form a confederacy later in his life. He would lead a band of eight men, including his brother, Tenskwatawa, in various skirmishes during that war. At the time, there was hope the indigenous could band together in that confederacy to keep the Americans off their land, but in the Battle of Fallen Timbers on August 20th, 1794, that dream was destroyed in a huge American victory. He would lose his older brother, Sawasikau, during that fighting. And in that battle, Tecumseh once again distinguished himself. But with the Treaty of Greenville soon after, the conflict was at an end. Tecumseh did not approve of the treaty, but he did not have enough power to sway anyone. For Tecumseh, he felt that the indigenous did not own the land they gave up, but that it was land shared by all indigenous and could not be negotiated away. In 1796, Tecumseh would take 250 indigenous, including 50 warriors, and he created the village of Buck Creek. They would be forced to move into Indiana four years later due to the destruction of their hunting grounds by Americans. By 1800, Tecumseh was 32 and it's seen as people's land disappear, their livelihoods heavily disrupted, and diseases like smallpox were raging through the land. The road for Tecumseh to come to Canada would actually begin with his brother, Sawasikau, who in 1805 had a dream that caused him to transform his philosophy overnight. He began to preach, gaining the name The Prophet, speaking against alcohol, slander, and the loss of old traditions. He especially hated the Americans, calling them scum of the great water. Tecumseh would be greatly inspired by his brother's teachings, would only eat indigenous food, wore traditional Shawnee clothing, and did not drink alcohol. While there's no evidence that he followed the religious aspect of his brother's teachings, he did see it as an opportunity to harness the energy of this movement towards retaining indigenous land. At the same time his brother was preaching, the possibility of war between Britain and the Americans was beginning to increase with the Chesapeake affair. The British were trying to secure favor among the indigenous, but had to be careful not to be seen as inciting the indigenous by the Americans. With the possibility of war growing, Tecumseh moved towards where Tippecanoe is today, and an indigenous village of 200 houses in a community called Prophetstown for his brother soon sprang up. At its height, it is believed 6,000 people settled in the area of it, making it larger than any American city in the area at the time. In 1807, Tecumseh was asked to come to Fort Wayne to speak with land agent William Wells. Tecumseh would respond, quote, The Great Spirit above has appointed this place for us, on which to light our fires, and here we will remain. As to boundaries, the Great Spirit above knows no boundaries, nor will his people acknowledge any. So how does Tecumseh come to Canada via his prophet brother? In 1808, Tecumseh was mostly unknown among the British, but he came to Upper Canada in place of his much more famous brother, who had been invited. 
He would arrive on June 8th of that year, but proved to be distrustful of the British. The meeting would raise Tecumseh's profile among the indigenous and the British, and by the next year, he was journeying to the Six Nations in New York and the indigenous tribes in Ohio to spread a message of the need for the indigenous to stand together to protect their lands and culture. While Tecumseh was away, a huge land grab was conducted by the Americans under the Treaty of Fort Wayne. This huge loss of land made Tecumseh furious, and he would return to talk to the British in 1810, telling them that he was ready for war and ready to ally with the British. It also increased his desire to create an indigenous confederacy, and he would spend the rest of that year traveling to the Mississippi River, down the Illinois River, up to present-day Wisconsin and into Missouri advocating for the Confederacy. He would reach the Gulf of Mexico and then travel up to the northern Red River with the aim of creating this indigenous nation that would stretch between the Mississippi and the Rockies. Two events would actually aid Tecumseh that year. It was in 1811 that the New Madrid earthquake and the Great Comet of 1811 occurred, which were taken as signs by the indigenous that Tecumseh met that the Confederacy should be supported. Of course, this organizing began to worry the American settlers who thought that it was a sign of an indigenous uprising. The governor of Ohio would organize a militia, and he would meet with Tecumseh. At the meeting, Tecumseh was supported by notable indigenous leaders like Blue Jacket, and he told the governor his only aim for the Confederacy was peace. Satisfied, the governor dismissed his militia. After the indigenous had moved to the new prophet's town, many continued to petition the government to do something about the indigenous. For them, when Tecumseh said he wanted peace, they only saw subterfuge. For the settlers, indigenous organization only meant war. William Henry Harrison, the man who initiated the land grab that was a final straw for Tecumseh, was impressed by his efforts, and he would state in 1811, quote, the implicit obedience and respect which the followers of Tecumseh pay to him is really astonishing, and more than any other circumstances, bespeaks him of one of those uncommon geniuses which spring up occasionally to produce revolutions and overturn the order of things. End quote. Of course, he would call Tecumseh's prophet brother, quote, a fool who speaks not the words of the great spirit, but those of the devil and of British agents. End quote. Harrison, who would go on to become the shortest-serving U.S. president in American history in 1841, would meet with Tecumseh in July of 1811. At the meeting, Tecumseh would travel with 300 indigenous, with some accounts saying 400. According to legend, Tecumseh was given a chair and told that his father, General Harrison, offered a seat. Tecumseh would allegedly respond, quote, My father, the sun is my father, and the earth is my mother. She gives me nourishment, and I will rest on her bosom. End quote. Harrison would say after the meeting, quote, If it were not for the vicinity of the United States, Tecumseh would perhaps be the founder of an empire that would rival in glory Mexico or Peru. No difficulties deter him. For four years he has been in constant motion. You see him today on the Wabash, and in a short time hear of him on the shores of Lake Erie or Michigan, or on the banks of the Mississippi or wherever he goes, he makes an impression favorable to his service. He is now upon the last round to put a finishing stroke upon his work. End quote. It was in this meeting that Tecumseh made a terrible mistake 
when he told Harrison that he would be leaving with 50 warriors for the south in August and would be gone until spring. Before he left, Tecumseh told his brother not to engage the Americans until the Confederacy was stronger. Harrison moved on that information by having a force go to Tecumseh's village. Tecumseh's brother was unable to keep the warriors from firing at the Americans, and it would result in the Battle of Tippecanoe on November 7, 1811, which led to the defeat of the indigenous there. The battle consisted of 700 warriors against 250 infantry, 90 cavalry, and 700 militia. By the end of the battle, an unknown number of warriors were dead, while 62 Americans had been killed. Harrison and his men entered the village, found it empty, and burned it, while destroying the food supplies. The victory gave the nickname Tippecanoe to Harrison, who would eventually use that to become president in three decades. As for Tecumseh's brother, he would flee to Canada. When Tecumseh returned, he found the destroyed village, and he would say, quote, The bodies of my friends laying in the dust, and our villages burnt to the ground, and all our kettles carried off. End quote. Tecumseh was furious with his brother for not controlling the warriors. The battle was a devastating blow to the Confederacy that Tecumseh hoped to create. But Tecumseh would rebuild the Confederacy and would establish a new town. At an indigenous council, he would say, quote, If we hear of any more of our people being killed, we will immediately send to all the nations on or towards the Mississippi, and all this island will rise as one man. End quote. On June 18, 1812, the Americans declared war on Britain, triggering the War of 1812. Tecumseh would immediately travel to Canada where the British were strengthening their defenses. With him, he brought 350 warriors from various indigenous tribes in the growing United States. The British recognized Tecumseh as the most influential of the indigenous allies, and they would rely on him to direct the indigenous forces. Matthew Elliott would state, quote, Tecumseh has kept the Indians faithful. He has shown himself to be a determined character and a great friend to our government. End quote. On July 25th, American Major James Denny marched 120 Ohio volunteers near the camps of Tecumseh, who organized an ambush. That ambush would rout the Americans, leading to the first casualties of the War of 1812 for the Americans. A week later, on August 2nd and 3rd, Tecumseh would bring a force of indigenous warriors across the Detroit River with the British, attacking an American supply road. Two days later, he attacked another force of Americans, killing 18. He then launched another attack, killing 20 and wounding 12 at Brownston. These attacks would have a devastating impact on the confidence of General William Hull, who had brought his American forces into the area in July and would have a greater impact later in the war. John Richardson, a soldier and the first Canadian-born author to achieve international recognition, would meet Tecumseh on August 9th and describe him as a man with, quote, the adorer of expression in his eye, that could not fail to endear him to the soldiers' hearts of those who stood around him, end quote. Soon after this meeting, Tecumseh and the British attacked an American supply train that was heading into Detroit, but they were outgunned and forced to retreat. Tecumseh would be wounded in the neck in the battle. These attacks continued to break away at the confidence of General Hull in Detroit. On August 13th, General Isaac Brock met Tecumseh in a famous meeting. Captain John Glegg would describe Tecumseh as having, quote, 
bright eyes beaming with cheerfulness, energy, and decision. End quote. Brock told Tecumseh that he planned to attack Detroit, which was opposed by his advisors, but which Tecumseh was immediately in favor of, proclaiming that Brock was a true man. Two days later after the meeting, Tecumseh and Chief Roundhead led hundreds of canoes and 530 warriors across the Detroit River, landing near Detroit. The British would follow the next day. While the British marched towards Detroit, Tecumseh and his men went north through the forest. General Hull, already in an agitated state, did not know how many indigenous warriors were in the trees, suspecting that there were thousands. This was because Tecumseh continued to move his men through the trees, making it seem like the trees were full of indigenous warriors. As the British shelled the fort, General Hull surrendered Detroit without a single shot from the Americans. The loss of Fort Detroit was a national disgrace for the Americans, and General Hull would be court-martialed, convicted, and sentenced to death before he was given a pardon by President James Madison. Thanks to the victory, General Brock would call Tecumseh the, quote, Wellington of the Indians, end quote. He would then write to Prime Minister Lord Liverpool, stating, quote, He who attracted most of my attention was a Shawnee chief Tecumseh, brother to the Prophet, who for the last two years has carried on an active warfare against the United States. A more sagacious or more gallant warrior does not, I believe, exist. He was the admiration of everyone who conversed with him. End quote. Through all of this, Tecumseh was focused on creating a nation for his people, rather than defending Canada from the Americans. Brock assured Tecumseh that the British would support the land claims of the indigenous. He would even write to his superiors stating the restoration of land that had been taken from the indigenous should be the part of any peace treaty. Only a few weeks later, Brock would be killed at the Battle of Queenston Heights. When a stalemate began to develop between the forces in the Midwest, Tecumseh saw it as an opportunity to recruit warriors to fight in the war, and he soon returned to the Detroit area to again help the British in attacking forts. In April of 1813, Tecumseh and Roundhead led a force of 1,200 warriors to Fort Meigs, a new fort that had been constructed. The fort was under the command of William Henry Harrison, and Tecumseh would write him stating, quote, I have with me 800 braves. You have an equal number in your hiding place. Come out with them and give me battle. You talked like a brave when we met, and I respected you, but now you hide behind logs and in the earth like a groundhog. Give me your answer. End quote. While the indigenous and British would inflict heavy casualties on the Americans, they were unable to capture the fort, and the siege of the fort was eventually lifted. After the battle, American prisoners that had been captured at Fort Miami were being killed by indigenous warriors. Tecumseh would rush in and stop the killing. Actions such as this would, after his death, give Tecumseh the image of a noble warrior. In July of 1813, Tecumseh would return to Fort Meigs with 2,500 warriors with the hope of drawing the Americans out into battle. This would fail and the second siege would end. On September 10, 1813, the British suffered a devastating loss at the Battle of Lake Erie, and General Proctor decided to withdraw as the supply lines were being threatened. He did not consult Tecumseh about this, and Tecumseh flew into a rage over the retreat, calling Proctor a, quote, 
fat animal that carries its tail upon its back, and when affrighted, it drops it between its legs and runs away. End quote. Proctor retreated his men to the north bank of the Thames. By this point, his men were dispirited, hungry, and confused, and it was this force the Americans would attack on October 5, 1813, igniting the Battle of the Thames. Tecumseh would say, quote, Here we will either defeat Harrison or leave our bones. This is a good place. It reminds me of my village at the junction of the Wabash and the Tippecanoe. End quote. General Proctor would line up his men in the open with Tecumseh and his warriors in the woods to the right. Tecumseh would tell his warriors to be brave, stand firm, and shoot straight. According to legend, he gave his sword to an aide and stated that if he should die, give it to his son when his son becomes a great warrior. The Americans immediately broke the British line, killing 43 and capturing the rest. Proctor would flee the battlefield, leaving Tecumseh and his warriors alone in the woods. Tecumseh had no intention of retreating, and while his force was outnumbered 3,000 to 500, his warriors rose from cover and began firing at the Americans. Tecumseh fired his musket, yelling encouragement to his men. He then ran towards one of the Americans, raised his gun, and fired. The battle was a devastating defeat for the British, losing 634 men killed or captured. The greatest loss by far was that of Tecumseh. For several days, rumors swirled that Tecumseh was only wounded and would again lead his people. Sadly, this was not the case. His body would be found in a field and had several injuries. Americans had taken strips of his skin and he had been scalped. But it should be noted that it was not known if the body that was mutilated was that of Tecumseh. Americans mostly found an impressive-looking dead indigenous man and cut the skin off the body. Among the warrior indigenous, it is stated the body was his, but others say that it was not. As for who killed Tecumseh, that is up for debate. Richard Johnson is said to be the man who killed Tecumseh, although he never confirmed this, stating he only killed a tall, good-looking Indian. Even without confirming it, he would use it to his advantage in politics and was known as the man who killed Tecumseh. As he ran for the U.S. Senate, his supporters chanted, quote, Rumsey Dumsey Rumsey Dumsey Johnson killed Tecumseh, end quote. He would be elected to the Senate in 1836 and would eventually become vice president. Another man, David King, was also named as possibly killing Tecumseh. The burial site of Tecumseh is not known, and it's believed his warriors took his body and buried it far from the battlefield. Stories told by the warriors of the battle vary. Some say they were forced to leave his body on the field. Others said they carried him off, possibly mortally wounded. There are also stories of Canadians taking his body and burying it at Sandwich, Upper Canada. In the story of the counties of Ontario, it is said, quote, Tecumseh and his band for deserted by their leader, they fought on like lions, till their great chief fell dead. His faithful warriors bore his body from the field to bury it at St. Anne's Island in Lake St. Clair, and for almost a century his people kept the secret of his last resting place. End quote. The St. Anne's story has a strange extra chapter to it. There is a story that an Ojibwe man named Ashawanu, who had fought with the Kumsei, dug up the body in the 1860s and buried it on St. Anne Island. In 1931, those bones were examined to see if the thigh bone had been broken, 
as Tecumseh had broken his in a riding accident as a young man. Neither thigh of the skeleton had been broken. Even with that, the bones were buried in Walpole Island in 1941 in a ceremony honoring Tecumseh. The death of Tecumseh was not only the loss of a critical ally for the British, it was the end of the hope of the indigenous confederacy. Ottawa chief Nawash would say, quote, Since our great chief Tecumseh has been killed, we do not listen to one another. We do not rise together. End quote. A week after his death, the tribes who took part in the battle signed a truce with the Americans. The British attempted to bring them back into the war, but these all failed. As for Proctor, the man who abandoned Tecumseh, he would be court-martialed. Today, Tecumseh is arguably one of the most honored indigenous leaders in North America. He became a folk hero in Canadian indigenous history, and many call him a hero that transcends cultural identity. In Canada, Tecumseh is honored as a hero of Canada for his defense of the country during the War of 1812. John Richardson would write a poem called Tecumseh, or The Warrior of the West, with the intention of preserving the image and the name of the man he greatly admired. In a ranking of the greatest Canadians by CBC in 2004, Tecumseh placed 34th. The HMCS Tecumseh Naval Reserve in Calgary is named for him, and a commemorative $2 coin was released to honour him on June 18, 2012. At the Royal Canadian Military Institute, a huge portrait honours Tecumseh. As well, Tecumseh, Ontario was named for him. Six schools across Canada are also named for Tecumseh. A plaque sits in Tecumseh Park in Chatham, Ontario, stating, quote, On this site, Tecumseh, a Shawnee chief who was an ally of the British during the War of 1812, fought against American forces on October 5, 1813. Tecumseh was born in 1768 and became an important organizer of native resistance to the spread of white settlement in North America. The day after the fighting here, he was killed in the Battle of the Thames. Tecumseh Park was named to commemorate strong will and determination. End quote. I hope you enjoyed that episode of my look at Tecumseh. If you like, you can reach me through email at craig at canadaehx.com. You can also visit my website where you'll find hundreds of articles on Canada's history as well as all my podcast episodes. Just go to canadaehx.com. And don't forget you can support the podcast through Patreon. There are multiple tiers to choose from, all with great benefits. You can support the podcast for as little as $3 a month, just like all of these wonderful patrons have, and I apologize if I mispronounce any names. Randy McCallum, Diane Wade, Laurie-Ann Kirby, Gary Dolovich, Nick Zinri, Shannon Marshall, Clinton Martinez, Dimitri Shove, Aaron O'Hara Myers, Robert Dunseith, Todd Casey, Catherine Roa, Luke S., J.P. Bear, Jason Hall, Phil Maynard, and Iris Gray. If you want, you can find me on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash CanadianHistoryX. You can find me on Twitter. My handle is Craig Baird, C-R-A-I-G-B-A-I-R-D. And you can find me on Instagram. Just go to Bairdo37. Information comes from Canadian Encyclopedia, History.com, Wikipedia, Britannica, Smithsonian Magazine, Biography.com, Battles of the 19th Century, Volume 3, the Story of the Counties of Ontario, Canada History Project, Kent Historical Society, and Papers and Addresses, Volume 3. Thanks, we'll see you again 
next time.